Hey guys, David, the Healthness Coach here again with another episode. First and foremost, I'd like to apologize to my humble listeners um, for not putting out a video in the last four weeks. It has been crazy. All of my focus and dedication has been on building the infrastructure for my online programming, which is getting a tremendous amount of people, a ton of results. I'll be posting testimonials on my Facebook page pretty soon, uh, probably looking at about this week. Uh, That being said, uh, I'd like to introduce you guys to Ryan. Um, This gentleman is far above intelligent. I enjoyed our podcast together. Uh, I found myself in a situation where I became a student in and out of the podcast where I was like, wait a minute, am I really part of this? Or is it just like, I'm just learning from this guy right now. Watch out for this guy. Um, We need much more trainers just like this that can not only take a holistic approach to training, but has a tremendous amount of scientific knowledge. Um, So if you guys have questions, comments, or concerns, as always, feel free to hit me up on my Instagram, healthness4cnd, or via my Facebook page, David Donald, or via my email, healthness469 at gmail.com. Drinking coffee from like a brewing thing or whatever. Like, I don't know. I don't like coffee, man. I think it's like it has like an innate, like a weird taste. Number one. See, like the coffee we drink here though, versus because that's the thing is we just like roast the living crap out of it, right? <laughs> versus you go to like even in like Europe or like where it's actually grown, it's sweet. No way. Yeah. Well, because it's a berry. Oh shit! Right, I didn't like, even know that. It's it's yeah, like the coffee bean is like from the berry that mm. they remove, right? Mm. Um, but then yeah, they just roast the crap out of it and like basically burn it, and mm. then it tastes bitter. Mm. But like most places, like you go and get like an actual fresh brew with like proper beans and roasting, that's fresh because that's the thing is it goes bad too, right? Like it's meant to be drank within like two weeks of roasting, and it's sweet. And you're not meant to put like dairy or cream or anything, right? Damn, I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, the most I get from like caffeine would be like my pre-workout, right? And yeah. I'm just like, and like that shit just gets me going. But I, I'm like, I always say, like, I wonder but how much. But it's also with all the garbage <laughs> too, right? I'm like, how much cups of coffee would I have to drink to kind of feel the like, yeah, like I'm gonna like but that's tear the thing apart is, a bar. The the darker the roaster, the more they roast it, the less caffeine it has, mm. right? So on like a light roast. And the shit that, like, they're drinking basically is, like, espressos fucking gets you wired. Oh, man. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, man. Ryan, nice to have you as a guest here on, on, on my show, man. Just wanted to know. It's, you're starting off here. New private gym coming from a bigger commercial yes, gym just like myself. So, what's your story, man? How did fitness become a part of something that you wanted to take and start transferring over to other people? Yeah, it's funny. Um... So back in 2011, I was playing university football. I was the uh, the kicker punter for Kadia University, and uh, sort of something that stuck with me was uh, failed the conditioning test literally day one. And uh, from there, I'm not really sure who coined the nickname, but uh, Fat Kicker became my nickname. So uh, that kind of became my identity right off the bat. Like I was, I was maybe 200 pounds right no like, way you're surrounded with like guys that are 330 350 pounds and you're the fat guy right <laughs> so um that kind of became my identity i kind of ran with it for a little while um but it's one of those things that was like 
for a little bit I tried to fight it. And then eventually it's like, ah, whatever, I'm just going to make this my, my identity, right? So it's like, you go to meal hall, crushing pizzas, crushing burgers, uh, just kind of being an idiot about it, right? So then ended up getting myself all the way up to like 235 pounds by fourth year. Um, so yeah, I was just really not in a good space from a health standpoint. How long ago was that? Um, so I graduated in 2014 mm-hmm. and then sort of carried the weight um, dealt with a bit of a bad breakup as well, so like that just stuck with me, put me in a bad place. And then, yeah, probably about halfway through 2016, um, just sort of decided, you know what? I mean, the other thing I was dealing with uh, a back injury as well. Um, so between you know sort of being overweight, dealing with the back I- issue, uh, was just not in a good headspace. So what ended up happening? Decided, you know what? And and actually, where I where I started was with audiobooks and started and I listened to the China study so I went down a, uh, a whole food plant-based diet I already knew how to exercise obviously being in a varsity program right so incorporated both of those and then ended up really losing I mean to date down 50 pounds from where I was at right at 235 so about 185 now um, back pain went away so I was able to play sports again which you know for myself was really a big part of my identity as well so not being able to play sports for a while with the back injury and just being overweight and out of shape, um, that took a big toll on just my mental space. Um, so yeah, it was one of those things where it's like really just made a huge commitment and investment personally, made a huge difference in terms of sort of my overall, you know, mental health, obviously, you know, physical health as well, just being far more capable to do things that you want to do. Right. Um, you know, I think getting out so. of back pain exactly right so yeah, so that man. was just huge and it was just one of those things where it's like I was in a, a job I didn't want to be in um, in a sales role and it's like I, you don't want to I, I want to provide a service that people need um, and that's going to actually value and benefit people so you know this was just one of those things where I had experienced the benefits firsthand and just kind of want to share that with as many people as possible right yeah I was just about to say that man that's awesome because it's like having that empathy component I think is so important to be capable of connecting with people that otherwise feel like this is something that they feel like they can't do or can't accomplish. And so like being able to put yourself in their shoes like is just uh, phenomenal. What, what are some of the, the, the practices that you do with your clients that allow them to, to attain the results that they do? Yeah, so I mean with that, I mean it's, it's, it's definitely to depend, right? Everybody's going to have a different situation, a different case, whether it be... Um, but really the process is going to be, no matter who you are and what I'm dealing with, is there's always some sort of mental and emotional component that we have to deal with first, right? So the way I look at it, all the components of health really come down to acts of self-love, right? So if we're talking about eating right and treating your body right, that's an act of self-love, right? Exercise and getting moving, act of self-love, right? So ultimately... What we have to establish is, you know, <laughs> that, that, you know, just place of, okay, I love myself. I want to do great things for myself. Um, and if I'm not doing that right now, I got to establish why, right? So first and foremost, the one exercise I do with everybody is, and, and you wouldn't believe how hard people find this, is literally just write down a list of 10 things you love about yourself. And it really forces you to really evaluate how hard you are on yourself, right? Um, 
and start to repair that relationship, right? Because I always ask people, what's the most important relationship you have in your life? And somebody will say, you know, my spouse or my children or whatever. And then I, I use that airplane analogy, right? It's like, don't put the mask on your child or whatever until you've taken care of yourself first, right? And that's yes. absolutely true, right? You can't help others, but you can't help yourself first, right? Yeah. Um, so that, and that's the other thing, right? As I say, you know, write down a list of 10 things you love about your spouse or your best friend or whatever it is. And in an instant, you can come up with a list of 10 and you're like, do I have to stop at 10? But when I ask people the question, write me 10 things you love about yourself, uh, I got nothing, right? And just in terms of the overall relationship you have with yourself, if, if you don't love yourself, chances are you're not going to do things for yourself, right? You do nice things and take care of people that you love, mm-hmm. right? But when you have a bad relationship with yourself, you're going to neglect that, right? So that's always going to be the first thing that I'll take a look at. Um, which I think is super important, um, especially in terms of building momentum and maintaining that momentum, right? Because that's the thing, right? Is, is, is motivation is kind of bullshit, yeah, right? True. It has to become something where it's a committed relationship, yeah, right? And that relationship is with yourself, the number one person, the person you're going to be with 24 7 mm-hmm. every day for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. right? there's no getting out of that relationship, right? There's no divorcing, Mm -hmm. there's no up and leaving, right? You are stuck with yourself, so you better learn to love yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And really take care of yourself to try to mitigate suffering, Mm -hmm. right? Whether it be, you know, physical pain, whether it be low energy, stress, anything in trying to move away from any suffering and move towards, you know, pleasurable feelings, right? Mm -hmm waking up, rolling out of bed with a big smile on your face and ready to attack the day, right? That's a huge part. People overlook that, I find, um, and don't put nearly enough weight and value on it. And part of it is just you haven't felt good in years. You don't even remember what it feels like, right? Yeah. So that's that's a major aspect of feeling it. Feeling well. comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's the worst thing. Worst thing. And I think it's even more, well, it's worse when it's more of a mental state. We train ourselves or we train our body, but then we train our mind to be in this state of always thinking about, oh my gosh, I lack this, I lack that, versus looking at what have I attained and how accomplished I am, right? It's like happy but never satisfied. Oh, yeah. Right? Versus just miserable and therefore never, ever going to be satisfied. And the other aspect is, do you feel like you deserve to be happy? Mm-hmm. Right? If you don't think you deserve to be happy, you are going to look for ways to punish yourself. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their drug of choice that they use to punish themselves and create pain, even though we don't necessarily associate it with it. For example, it could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be... Um, excessive eating, mm-hmm. right? It, Louis C.K. has the, the joke, it's like, the meal isn't over when I'm full, it's over when I hate myself, right? And it's like, it's funny, but there's also yeah. some serious truth behind that, right? And a lot of people do that to themselves, mm-hmm. right? Versus actually using food to nourish their body so that they can feel good, repair their cells, right? And feel energetic to attack the day and create whatever they want to create from that day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, like being with yourself, mm-hmm. right? Being stuck in your head and having to spend that time together with yourself. A lot of people are afraid of that. They're afraid of what they might say to themselves. So 
they'll drown it out by getting blackout drunk mm-hmm. or smoking weed or whatever it is that is your vice to neglect whatever it is that really you need to be dealing with, yeah. right? In terms of repairing the relationship you have with yourself, right? So True. that's yeah. a that's a major part of what I dive into as well. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, obviously movement, exercise, sleep, all these amazing habits that are going to make you feel better, right? We need to create momentum and keep those there. Well, we're not going to keep those there if we don't actually fix the root of the problem in general. It yeah. stems from the relationship we have with ourselves, right? True, man. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. So we do understand that holistic approach, of course, when it comes to fitness and that that is an integral part, especially when it comes to mentality. But what about your programming? So how do you how do you program? I know that you and I were huge fans of Jordan Shallow. So Absolutely. it comes to like applied biomechanics. So. so how do you program for your clients? What do you go right out the gate? Like, what do you what do you do in, in order to get your clients to where it is they want to go? Yeah. So to piggyback off one of the things that. Jordan Shallow says and believes is if you can't do it on one leg, yeah. don't do it on two, right? So really establishing first off stability and sensory awareness of where you exist in space, mm. right? So a lot of what I'll get people to do that, for example, struggle with a hip hinge, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to do literally barefoot on the ground, feel the ground under your foot, create an awareness of where your foot exists in space. And then we might do, for example, a single leg RDL. And if we get that master down, working through that, creating stability in that hip, knee, and ankle, then we're going to add a rotation to that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, To put ourselves in as unstable a position as possible. Mm -hmm. Because in reality, as a lot of the time, stability, it's not a lack of strength. It's a lack of neurological connection to the joints themselves, right? Um, And that's what we don't necessarily recognize is that really what we see as our leg existing in space is a neural projection and it's an approximation of where it actually exists, right? Mm. It's literally all stemming from brain, right? Yeah. Um, So really we're guessing. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is we want to create better awareness so that that guess is far more accurate. So in terms of stability, if I'm pressing through the ground and I can feel exactly where it is, I have a much better pathway and connection Mm -hmm. from the ground to the knee, to the hip, to the core, to the back, everywhere so that everything can move in unison Mm -hmm. and allow that commander in chief, the brain, to actually send proper signals downwards, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that'll be pretty much my first and, you know, foremost, I need to establish stability Mm -hmm. within the joints and just awareness of where they exist in space before I start actually really focusing on loading up and looking to actually get into a hypertrophy. Mm -hmm. So really I want to make sure that we're moving properly and we have proper access neurologically to the muscles that need to be firing, Mm -hmm. right? So that's sort of my approach. Um, Obviously, if we're dealing with any sort of pain, um, mostly what I'll do is I'll, I believe in education about what pain is, why it exists, and working to down regulate that through knowledge of what is actually happening in your body. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a major part of it as well, but obviously it's going to be goal driven, right? If you have no pain, you seem to have stability and you just want to lose some weight. Well, obviously we're going to attack nutrition as well, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to track attack that and literally just get you moving, get you working hard, which most people don't, know what that means Mm -hmm. to actually work hard right 
Um, like if you were looking at the RPE scale, it's basically, oh, that felt like an eight. It's like, no, that was maybe a six, mm. right? Um, but also recognizing that we have to create that sense of safety yeah, so that people can allow themselves to work hard, right? Because that's mm. the thing is we, we stop ourselves well short of our potential as a safety net, mm-hmm. right? So just slowly building up the recognition that like we can actually go a lot further than this yeah. and still be safe. I think that's the, the major thing because for me, especially with my experience as well, it's it's always been a lack of stability. So a lack in that helical axis or that rotation, being able to control rotation, that's been generally the problem when it comes to like the bigger primal movements, right? Like while moving down a linear path. And then I always tried to figure out, you know, where is it that we figure in terms of like that lack of stability and that lack of strength, where's the line, right? And so like, and I like what you're saying because it's, it's in terms of applied biomechanics, it's so important that people be capable of gaining a ton of stability. It's very easy for us as trainers to make someone tired. Very Extremely different. Easy. Yeah, really <laughs> easy, right? But, the, but then the With challenge is, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? Then the challenge is being able to actually get someone to have that neurological awareness, but also be capable of doing the things necessary to get not just aesthetical results, but the results that they can sustain forever through these different movements and have higher quality of movements, right? So my, my question would be um, with your clients, where is kind of like the, the progression? So let's say like you see that they've gained that neurological awareness and they've gained a little bit more stability. This guy's like, I want to lose 50 pounds. So what would be the next progression after that? What's the next stages? I know that you said nutrition, but in terms of exercising, where are we going? Yeah, I mean, really what I'm looking at first and foremost is how do you recover, Mm -hmm. right? Mm. Training age is going to play a big factor in that, obviously, as well as your overall nutrition, sleep habits, and all the way around, right? How do you feel the day after a workout, two days after a workout, right? Mm. Um, And that's going to play a major part in how we're going to program, right? I mean, if you're, like, dead off three workouts a week well we're not going to put you on a six time a week push pull leg split right just (laughs) doesn't make any sense right um i want you performing at a pretty close to optimal you know rate day in day out right Mm -hmm. and the other aspect is if you are constantly training when you feel weak you're mentally going to associate those muscles as being weak Mm -hmm. Right, so I want you to feel strong when you're working out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for example, I train some other trainers, and it's like, okay, you should be training four to six times a week, yeah. right? You're not going to be in that two to three yeah. time a week window, right? Um, but the big thing is going to be to make sure that we're not neglecting muscle groups yes. either, right? So if we're only training two times a week, right, exercise selection is going to be very different. Obviously, it's not going to be as effective and as efficient as if we're constantly in the gym working ourselves hard and still recovering, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be a big thing. Is It's very much going to be individual approach of okay, how do you move, how do you recover, um, how does your body respond to stimuli, mm-hmm. right? Do you operate better with lower weights, higher reps, right? Do you operate better with, you know, really you know, the opposite end of the spectrum, right? It's really going to depend. So the short answer is it's going to be a bit of a trial and error approach based on your individual body and how it responds to stimuli. Yeah. Um, And with that, 
what I'm looking to do, and this is my thing, right? So I don't want you training with me for the next decade. That's just not my approach, right? My approach is to provide you with the tools and knowledge to understand your own body and learn to work with it so that six months, 12 months down the road, you don't need me, mm-hmm. right? You have all the tools, skills that you're going to need to move forward without me, right? So I'll provide a lot more freedom to, in terms of, say, rest between sets or, you know, selection of how much weight do you want to push today mm-hmm. than, you know, a lot of people where it's like, this is what you're prescribed, this is your rest time, this is whatever, right? I want to give you the option mm-hmm. to take a little bit more time if you need it, mm-hmm. right? Or if you still feel really fresh and like, oh, I, I took too much time of rest there, right? But that's the other thing too, right? Is like some days I'm going to want to go a little bit heavier and I'm going to need a little bit more rest, right? Mm-hmm. But other days like probably not going to feel that, but so I'm going to go a little bit lighter on the weight, but I probably won't need as much rest. And a lot of the times if I just prescribe 90 seconds rest, it could be too much. It could be too little. So I want to provide them that freedom and that opportunity to learn how their body recovers Mm. to be able to push themselves. Yeah. Right. And maximize the time in the gym as well. Um, I like that. I do because the reason why, like, a lot of my clients will sometimes ask me, like, are we going to do, like, a non-linear or a linear progression of training, right? right. It's like, the reality is, is, is at this point, if you're just coming off of the street and you haven't been training, like, is it fair to say that we're going to start training at maximal capacity each and every single time? Like, <laughs> you know, right? It's just not happening, right? <laughs> There's just no way because, I mean, your ability to do the things outside of the gym to recover effectively, to be capable of training to that effect is probably not going to be a substantial and kind of not do you justice anyway, right? So figuring out where you feel, I, I, I love that. Yeah. I, I love that concept. And I think a lot of people will relate to that because a lot of people think trainers are here to boot camp style, right? Like, what more? Them, a lot of them are, um, in, in, in all fairness. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's, a, that, that's pretty crazy. Um, so dealing with the fact that you had an injury, yeah. So you just had you just came off of a, a serious literally injury, right? yeah hospitalized like how was that ago. man how how is it coming back in the gym literally right after an injury and then getting back into it man yeah so and and that was kind of the cool thing is a lot of you know the research and self-derived learning and a lot of actually Etienne Asselet's program mm. um, and course provided me with a lot of insight on this as well but just understanding why pain is there how it's there to serve you how it can basically blow things way out of proportion and try to debilitate you um, provided me with a lot of sort of insight of my own body of what I needed to do both mentally, physically um, and even socially to a certain degree um, to speed up the recovery as much as possible, right? So in 2016 when I was dealing with the back pain it literally lasted me like a full year before I was even starting to be able to play sports without pain and be limited right um, this time around I'm literally in the squat rack like 10 out of 10 pain I mean I, 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 I told the paramedics 9 out of 10 because you always got to leave a little bit of room for, uh, for a little something something yeah. um, but let's be real like I, I I could not get up on my own like I was I was in a lot of pain um 
But mentally what I needed to do was downregulate it, keep positive, um, and make sure I wasn't, you know, catastrophizing it, making it like, oh my God, it's going to be a year. Like it's going to be the worst thing in the world. Right. So immediately I'm laughing about it. I'm trying to smile. I'm trying to send signals through my neural system to say, we're good. Keep positive. Right. Um, and recognizing that movement was going to be the solution, right? So whenever you're in pain, what it really is is a protection signal mm-hmm. from the brain communicating with your body saying movement could create more damage or potentially create more damage, right? Um, when in reality, movement is going to be the solution, mm-hmm. right? Because what ends up happening is pain is there to stop us from moving, so we need to basically just reprogram and re-register that there is no danger, right? Refamiliarize ourselves with our body. So going in with that mind frame, even though my range of motion was extremely limited, just gentle rocking, creating a sense of safety and awareness, mm-hmm. um, really, I mean, obviously I needed some pain medication to allow me to start sort of moving and to help lubricate the joints. Mm-hmm. Um, but this time around, it was like, Two weeks, I'm going to be under a squat bar or under a barbell squatting. And I'd set that in my mind and it became a self-fulfilling prophecy Mm -hmm. Um, where like literally the day of and a few days, I could not stand up on my own feet. 10 days later, I'm in the gym in a squat rack, Mm -hmm. right? And now I'm pretty well close to back to being a hundred. And literally what it just came down to was creating a sense of safety and security of movement in general mm-hmm. letting myself know that okay my hip is functional my back is functional and just slowly gently with a sense of safety and security moving a little bit further mm-hmm. a little bit further right whereas you know you go to the doctor and they say oh you need to rest and relax allow it to recover right mm-hmm. what ends up happening is your brain now gets more information more signaling that there's danger we need to protect ourselves movement is the enemy right now Mm -hmm. and then it'll catastrophize it and reinforce the strength of those pain signals right Mm -hmm. um so it's hugely important or at least from my standpoint it was hugely important just to stay moving Mm -hmm. and to have small wins Mm -hmm. right just getting up making that 15 20 feet to the bathroom Mm -hmm. and then once i was comfortable with that you know 40 feet up the stairs to go take a shower on my own right um and just reinforcing that, you know, we're able to do these things. There is no danger. There is no trauma, right? And just trying to downregulate that system. And it literally worked remarkably fast. Do you think that injury makes us better trainers? Absolutely. Yeah. One of my beliefs, and I mean, this is sort of maybe a kooky belief, but totally on board with it, is that everything that happens to you in your life is there to serve you, Mm -hmm. right? Everything is there as a perfect lesson that you can take from, learn from, and apply, right? So for me, it was funny. I mean, just had been diving into this whole understanding of pain sort of field, right? Diving into Explain Pain Supercharged by Lorimer Mosley. Pretty dense book, but also fascinating and really, really great read. Mm -hmm. Um, and meanwhile, I get this 
incredible pain to allow me to experience it in real time, right? Um, sort of strange how the universe works at sometimes, but I really believe that everything is there to serve you and you can either take it as a lesson or look at it as just poor me, why does everything happen to me, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, the harder our circumstances, the more potential for deep learning. Yeah. That's really what it comes Because I, I did have a bulging disc a couple of years back and I just found that it made me stronger. Yeah. Right? Because like Jordan Shallow says, like avoiding propagation is definitely not a path of rehabilitation. You want to be able to move and you want to be able to teach yourself to train differently. You're not going to train the same way, but train differently. And it, it, in my experience, it has made me a better trainer. What projects do you have now that you're in a private gym? So you're away from the commercial yeah. gym now, yeah, right? Um, this is a different playing level, level field right now. It's a little bit different. What projects do you have coming up? Uh, that you're looking to delve into, that you're looking to work on to help a tremendous amount of people. Yeah, so I think uh, the cool thing with that is, and I've been kind of preaching this a little bit with, uh, you know, Kat, my girlfriend, who's going to be working here as well, is just having the freedom to send out the messages into the world that you want to send out, right? So the things that really fascinate me, and, and that, at the end of the day, everything we're talking about, they're all theories, yeah, right? Training theories, right? Just because they're generally accepted, they're still theories and chances are they're wrong to some degree, right? Mm -hmm. So we have the freedom to come up with our own systems, our own theories, our own beliefs, um, to make them as effective and efficient and close to the right answer as possible, right? Um, so that's a big thing for myself and just recognizing that if you're open-minded and always trying to learn, yeah. um, and establish, you know, answers that are closer to the truth, then that's going to go a long way. Right. So for myself right now, I'm looking at it as everything stems from our overall, you know, neural control center. Right. So whether it be, you know, the central nervous system, peripheral nervous system, autonomic nervous system, the brain itself, all the different attributes of the brain themselves, right? So trying to understand that and create a deep enough understanding where I'm going to be able to take that understanding and repackage it into very layman's terms that people are going to understand, relate to, and apply, um, which I think is majorly important, right? So basically taking applied neuroscience, mixing that in with nutrition, right? Which I think go majorly hand in hand, right? Um, the brain is literally going to be your biggest use of resources yeah. in the body, right? Which comes down to fuel, which comes down to nutrition, right? So understanding how that dynamic plays out and overall just impacts your life. Um, so those are the things that I want to start putting out a little bit more content on and just diving deeper into personally so that I can relay those messages back in as simple, clear, yeah. understandable, you know, forms as possible. Because especially experiencing back pain, so to speak, yeah. two different ways, right? In 2016 where, you know, I catastrophized everything. It was everywhere you look around you, it's, oh, the back is vulnerable, the back is you know, in danger, back squatting is going to be bad for you. And so your chiropractor tells you, oh, your, your back is broken. Like you're, you should avoid doing this, this, that, and the other. Right. And so that's the information you have and that's what you start to believe. So you avoid movement, which then makes the issue worse. Right. Versus this time around understanding, okay, the pain is there to serve you, to keep you safe, 
but you also need to test that pain and recognize is it actually serving me or is it a little bit overblown and I can probably move a little bit deeper in here without any real trauma, right? And using basically both frameworks of knowledge, the one where I was catastrophizing and the one where I was trying to downregulate the pain, right? And recognizing how much more effective having a deeper understanding of why pain's there mm-hmm. is in terms of getting back to being healthy and pain-free, right? It's like, you see how powerful that is. Like, yeah. Frank, I need to let people know, right? Because there's so many people that suffer through pain that yes. really it's just unnecessary. How, right? do you, how do you do that? How do you find speaking to someone and trying to relay these messages, how do you find trying to simplify it in a way that they can understand? Like, I find that to be very challenging because sometimes I'm I'm talking to a prospect and they're looking at me like I'm talking a completely different language. And I'm like, okay, how am I going to explain this now in in like terms that make sense? How do you find that? Yeah, so for me, it's all just about painting a picture, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So using different resources, right? For example... And analogies too, right? Or uh-huh. like when it comes to pain, right? I might ask somebody the question and I'll ask you this. So how, how would you define pain? And obviously you'll probably be closer to the real answer than most people <laughs> will be. Most people will say something like um, pain is created in the body to let me know there's damage. Yeah. Right? Which, I mean, you and I know yeah. is, is not That's right. reality, right? Yeah. Um, so right off the bat, if you feel pain, you associate with damage, mm-hmm. right? I feel knee pain, therefore there's something wrong with my knee. Yeah. Right? When in reality it's, okay, if you feel, feel knee pain, your brain is sending signals that there needs to be, there's something that needs to be protected. Yeah. Right? So there's either damage or a perceived perception of potential damage, mm. right? Which is a very big distinction, right? Because there could literally be nothing wrong with your knee, but your mm. brain is overprotective over it, which could just be to the fact that you're doing movements that you haven't done in a very long time and you're unfamiliar with that territory. Mm -hmm. And so it's trying to stop you from doing that as a potential for Mm -hmm. damage since we are not familiar with this territory and therefore it's perceived as scary or Mm -hmm. potentially dangerous. Right. Um, So yeah, so I mean, there's things like that where, and then what I'll use is for example, and, and this comes from Warmer Mosley as well. So you paint the picture of, the construction worker in the 70s who gets rushed to the hospital because um, he had a screw basically go directly through his boot and you see it protruding out the other side. There's a picture of it, right? And he's in 10 out of 10, agonizing, screaming pain, right? So they ended up giving him fentanyl and another opioid just to shut him up, right? So then they get the boot off, right? And then sure enough, once he's sort of sedated, they take the boot off and the nail or the screw went right between his toes. There was no trauma whatsoever. Mm. Right. And those sort of really clear images really paint a picture for people. And you can understand that. It's like, wait a second. So you're telling me he was in pain, but there was no trauma. So Mm -hmm. wait, what was he crazy? He's like, no, but he had more evidence that there was damage than he had, you know, not evidence. Mm -hmm. Right. So from his brain standpoint, it made a lot of sense to create pain to protect the foot. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, very subtle in how it actually, you know, changes that. But you create that image and now people can understand, okay, well, maybe I, I don't actually have damage in my knee, mm-hmm. right? Maybe my brain is just being overprotective and I should actually explore to see, is there actual trauma there? Is there acute pain when I try to move through it? Or do I just feel as though there's 
some sort of danger and I'm I'm scared of it, right? Mm-hmm. So creating a sense of safety as well while you're doing any of these things is majorly important. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all about painting the picture, creating images, um, and just breaking up. Well, first off, finding out what are their current beliefs, mm-hmm. right? And sh- finding creative ways to disprove those and get them thinking differently mm-hmm. or at least questioning their current beliefs, mm-hmm. right? And not doing so in a way where we're going to be talking about nociceptors and your A-alpha neurons, right? Like we don't need to get into the biology of it, right? Yeah. We just need to paint a different picture, mm-hmm. right? And at the end of the day, as long as we create some doubt with the current beliefs, yeah. that'll go a long way, right? And then we can start sort of re-educating, mm-hmm. right? So that's my approach, at least just using analogies, pictures, anything that can just really paint the picture. Mm-hmm. What would you give... What kind of advice would you give to trainers that want to become trainers, that want to be successful with their clients? What would be the first, if you only had to give one advice, what would it be? Care. Care. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing, right? Is it's, at the end of the day, you get what you give. Yeah. Right? If you want people to take care of you, yes. take care of them. Yeah. Right? Figure out what it is that they want. And if you don't know how to get that for them, mm-hmm. figure it the hell out. Put yeah. in the work. Yeah. You know, I, I call it the gas factor, right? Mm-hmm. The give a shit factor. <laughs> Do you give a shit about the people, you know, that are taking care of you? Yeah. Take care of those that are taking care of you mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Um, also, just, just be honest, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need to know everything. Mm-hmm. There's no way you're going to. That's right the most prominent trainers and the most brilliant people in the world do not know everything. Mm-hmm. They pass the torch to other experts in different fields, right? It's mm-hmm. like, it's like, I know this, but somebody else might know this better, mm-hmm. right? Don't, just don't bullshit people, right? Mm-hmm. You know? But also, if you don't know something, figure it out, yeah. <laughs> right? Definitely, absolutely. Education does play a huge role in that. Um, so, guys, if you guys want to get some awesome training from Ryan, uh, he's located at 1290 Trim Road in Orleans. Dude is awesome as a trainer. Um, I'm going to be working with him on some projects as well. So if you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to hit me up on my Instagram, healthness4cnd, or via uh, Facebook, David Donald, or my email, healthness469 at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Ryan, for your time. Appreciate it, David.